This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play. 13 seconds left. Coleman looking to grab it. Dano trying to center it. Knocking it away. Yanni Gord. He clears it. He clears it. I don't think this is going to be an icing. No. Three seconds left. Petrio final shot. The Lightning have done it. They have done it. They They have gone back to back for the second year in a row. They have won the Stanley Cup. Oh, yes, they have won the Stanley Cup. You know, that man who called that game with Phil Esposito, Dave Michigan's not with me today because he's celebrating his mom's 90th birthday. Again, happy birthday, Mrs. Michigan, from everybody here on Lightning Power Play. We'll miss Dave, but we'll talk to him on Monday. Of course, I am Greg Linelli along with Steve Versnick. We've got a fun show planned for you today here on a Friday. It is Friday, right, Steve? It is Friday. I, I oftentimes just lose track of time. Got to check my calendar point. here. Yes, it is Friday. Yes, it is Friday. <laughs> it is Friday. We've got the start of the NHL draft tonight. Of course, the Lightning, as we talked about uh, yesterday, they don't have the first two picks. But, Steve, we are going to have coverage on Saturday for our listeners. So we will have something for them when it comes to this draft. Yeah, so after the draft, we're going to talk to Al Murray. We're going to talk to some of the local scouts. We'll talk to uh, some of the players the Lightning draft, assuming they uh, can speak English. Um, (laughs) Sometimes those players can't yet. You're right. um, And I don't speak Russian or any of those other languages or French. I don't know if you do. but um, So uh, Brian Burns will join us as well as part of the coverage. So. He will, and uh, we look forward to that. So we will have something for you there. And then, of course, on Monday, we'll have our uh, last show of the offseason before we get to training camp, and we'll just kind of recap everything with Dave back in the saddle. So, More importantly, before we get to vacation. Yes, do it. <laughs> well, for sure. I mean, We've been going nonstop for six yes. months, six, seven months now, whatever yes. it is. Well, it, it feels like longer than that. since the Really, since the pandemic, I think it feels like we've just been running the whole time. And now maybe we're in that little little walk, and then we can finally slow down. Yeah, well, it was so bizarre because, and we talked about this the other day, but last offseason, everyone said it was a short offseason. And yeah. if you looked at it, it wasn't. It was, the, right? it was about three and a half months or so from the Stanley Cup to the time game started. But what was short about it was it was like mid-December. It was like, okay, here's the schedule. Two weeks, we start camp, go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. You know, because it wasn't sure are they going to start in January. Is it February? Is it? No one really knew, and it was kind of a. And then all of a sudden, it just dropped and was like, "Go." You know, it wasn't where. Yesterday, we received the NHL schedule for this coming season. So opening okay. night is you know about two and a half months away. So you're you're planning for that now. It wasn't just dropped and said, "Okay, here we go, start camp, let's go." You're right. It's a good point. And uh, you mentioned the schedule. It was released yesterday. Just a couple of highlights regarding the schedule. The opener is going to be October 12th. That's a Tuesday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. That'll be a a, a fun game because typically when those two teams play, there are a lot of goals scored. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be a lot of fun there to honor the Tampa Bay Lightning from last year. Maybe one more time. Just There's going to be some new faces. And they haven't played in a couple of years. I know. that That is crazy. Uh, All-Star Weekend is going to take place in Vegas. That'll be February 4th through the 5th. And then I think one thing that's going to be interesting, Steve, because there was a pretty big break in the schedule Mm -hmm. from February 7th to the 22nd, but that's because of 
the Olympics, mm-hmm. and we just don't know if the players are going to be participating. But the NHL made sure they had some time there. If they do, mm-hmm. it's going to be a couple of weeks off there. So in the new CBA, which was negotiated during the pandemic to before the return to play last season in the bubble, the NHL owners agreed to let the players play in the Olympics. Yeah. The question is, and the schedule has the Olympics in there, but the question is, and the owners have said they've negotiated in good faith, they want to let them go to the Olympics, but no one knows what the protocols and procedures are going to be for the Olympic, the Winter Olympics in February next year in China. Yeah. You know, will players have to go into quarantine a couple weeks prior? Well, that makes the NHL season almost impossible at that point. And so there's some issues they're still working through. At this point, they're planning on an all or the Olympic break, but you, you, that could change as they're you know, and and the, the fact of the matter is the IOC, the NHL, the players, nobody knows what it's going to look like yet in February. And didn't Elliot say we had him on? Was it last week, Steve? Didn't mm-hmm. he say it's on the players? The risk is all on the players when it comes to the coronavirus and and taking on that that risk that if they if something does come down. Mm-hmm. There's this whole insurance issue yep. that has to be played out, but the players are the ones that are going to have to deal with all that. So that's a huge cost. I think that's one yep. of the things that's trying to be negotiated. I've, I, you know, Steve, it's probably an unpopular opinion if you're a player listening to this show, and I'm sure we have hundreds of them listening, not only the Tampa Bay Lightning, but various players around the league, because, you know, look, power play is, is huge. We understand that. It's worldwide. It is uh, for any league. I have never been a big fan of the players participating in the Olympics for this reason. I try and look at it from the owner's perspective and really from the fans' perspective. More so because I don't want anything bad to happen to my greatest asset Mm -hmm. playing in the Olympics. And I understand, look, it's more emotional, I think, for the players to play for their country. And I, I understand that. But if I'm an owner and I'm paying you millions of dollars to go over there to play at the end of the day for them it's almost meaningless because your goal is to win the Stanley Cup or mm-hmm. NBA championship the Super Bowl whatever it is whatever whatever sport you participate in I've just I've never been a big fan of it I get it I, I understand why the guys want to go it's it's an emotional tie to your country there's nothing better than probably playing for your country my gosh but I, I have a hard time thinking the owners if he sat him down Steve and had a private conversation with him if to a man they'd say I I I don't want my players going over there and playing. Well, the owners have made that no secret. I mean, you know, and they didn't participate in the last few Olympics. The players to return to play and go to the bubble last year, this was one of the things they adamantly wanted, and the owners yeah. eventually said, okay, we'll give this to you. What they got back in return, it's all a negotiation, that, and that's all part of collective bargaining. There's probably lots of things in the CBA the owners don't like, and there's things in the CBA the players don't like. But it's yeah. all, at the end of the day, a negotiation and – you know, you came to an agreement for the players to return and the flat cap and some of the escrow changes and all this other stuff that they wanted to play in the Olympics. It was very important to them. So, you know, you make do with, with what it is. But, yeah, I'm sure they, they wouldn't want them going. Now, the good thing is the Olympics don't tend to be a physical affair, not like the Stanley right. Cup playoffs. It is played, you know, kind of a different style in that regard. But injuries can happen, you know, at any time when you're playing No, they sports, can. So. They can. I, I guess the thing with me is it's it's an unnecessary risk. You're mm-hmm. right. Injuries could happen. But if I if I know that I'm not going to be participating in the Olympics, then I'm not going to get an injury. Right. If I'm going to the Olympics, there's a chance that something does happen. You're right. It's a different game, bigger rink, and I, I understand that. To me, the two-week or three-week break just ruins flow for teams and chemistry really and momentum. And Now, if you're struggling going into that break, maybe it's a welcome change. But if you're, if you're playing really well going into the – 
the break, which is the all-star game then right into the, the Olympic break. If you're struggling going against great, if you're playing well, then you probably hate yeah. it. Yeah, it's a good point, and we'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. So that, that stood out. The other, the other date, Steve, that stood out, and I, I want to get your thoughts if there's anything else, you know, home games, away games, how many games at home are they playing in terms of uh, their longest streak. But November 26th is going to be something mm-hmm. I'm going to have circled on our calendar, I'm sure, because that's going to be the return of Yanni Gord. Release the Kraken. And you know what's going to be cool is going to be the tribute video. Yes. To Yanni Gord, because mm-hmm. that's something that's, I think, going to be pretty emotional. Joe Smith had an article in The Athletic yesterday talking to Yanni, and uh, it was a good article. I mean, yes. I think he's basically saying, look, I'm excited about this new opportunity in Seattle, but it's it's a bummer that I'm leaving these guys who I won a couple of championships with. Tampa Bay gave me a start. They gave me the opportunity to play, and Yanni Gord made a really big impact, and I have no doubt he'll make an impact for Seattle. Mm-hmm. As I told you before, I, I think he's a guy long-term for that organization. If they choose to keep him around, I, I think you could make Yanni Gord a captain. Uh, yeah, I think Mark Seattle, Giordano think. will be a captain this year if they yes. elect a captain. I mean, Vegas did if not they do elect. that the first year. Yes, but I think I think Gord has those credentials, mm-hmm. and I think a, a lot of players would look at him and say, yeah, he's a guy that's been there, done that. But, Steve, that'll be an emotional return, and I think that, that'll, be, that'll be a ticket most people want to get mm-hmm. to see uh, Yanni Gord back. But also, too, you know, John Franzone's going to bring it with lightning vision when it comes yes. to the tribute. Well, in, in Joe Smith's article, too, we learned that Yanni Gord had surgery on Monday on his shoulder. He did. And, he did. You know, that's something that's been bothering him for a while. Um, and, and he finally decided to get it taken care of. So he's going to actually miss about the first month of the season, uh, which, you know, Seattle knew that going in. They had the medical record. So, you know, they knew he had surgery. And, you know, they've got four years left on his deal. It's not like missing a month is going to prevent them from taking him in that no. regard. So. And, and by the way, I, I still maintain Dave, I think, was a little less uh, agreeable to it. Uh, I, I do think Julian knew Yanni was going to be one of the guys that was a, a really good chance he was going to be picked when he met with the media after the mm-hmm. season. And he, I think he purposely didn't mention Yanni Gord and that injury because I think he probably knew Seattle was going to take him. Yeah, I did. Although, uh, although you know, you know, Yanni said it's an injury that was bothering him for a while, so presumably throughout the whole season, Julian Moore talked about the injuries of that happened during the playoffs. The yeah, McDonough broken hand, the Goodrow broken hand. The, That's a good point. The Kucherov point. rib, the 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 Kalorn, um, you know, leg broken leg. Right. I mean, he didn't really talk about like, hey, you know. Stamkos' injury from the offseason. Correct. He did. It was more about this is what happened in the playoffs, as he said, this is what it takes to win a Stanley Cup. It wasn't the nagging injuries that had been going on for a while. Right. So that'll be interesting. I think Yanni Gord coming back. They'll play Seattle twice. Uh, Anything else, Steve, stick out out for you when it comes to the schedule? The back half of the schedule is crazy. So like in April, there are 16 games from April 1st to April 29th. Um, a lot of games. Yeah, so I, I, my guess is is some of those games may move if there's no Olympic break. Yeah, that I think it, that's fair. it's very compressed. I think there's 15 back to backs, if I recall. Um, that's that's a high number, um, but I think that, it's that is a lot. You know, and the season's going a little later. It's ending April 29th, but Hold on, presumably Eric. that's the Olympic break. It looks like a total of 12 back to backs, including 12, okay. three at Amelie. Okay. Yep. Um, out of the All-Star or the, the Olympic break. So February and March, the Lightning have seven home games total in those two months. <laughs> so February, they only play three games. Home right. against San Jose on the first, then there's the All-Star break. 
They come back after the Olympic break to play Edmonton at home. Then they go to Nashville for the outdoor stadium series game on the 26th. They have three more home games after that. Then they have 10 of their next 11 on the road. A six-game road trip out west. And then they come home against the Rangers and go back on the road to Carolina, Boston, Detroit, the Islanders. Then they get 11 of their next 13 at home in April. I mean, April just has a ton of home games. Yeah. Uh, But if there's no Olympic break, I think some of those games may shift. And I think that's – the back half of the schedule looks very compressed. Like, there's just a lot of games in, a, in March. Let me count them. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 15 games in March, 16 in April. That's 31 games in the last two months that's, of the season. That's basically every other day. That's That seems right. – that's going to be a grind as you get ready for the playoffs. Well, Steve, what, what did we learn this year, too? I mean – I think for this Lightning team, now they're going to have some new faces. You want to gel those guys as quickly as possible with uh, the team, but get off to a decent start. And you don't want to be a complete mess finishing the year, but mm-hmm. you don't have to be perfect. So if, they, if they're playing 500 hockey towards the end of the year with that type of schedule, as we saw this year, yep. don't panic. Don't panic. But, but you wonder if this team will get off to a hot start for two reasons. One... This offseason is about a month shorter than normal. So, I mean, they ended the season on July 7th. Yep. And by mid-September, you're starting camp. Right. Normally, that would have been June 7th to early September. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a much shorter offseason. But this team's going to have more turnover this year on the roster Yeah. than previous years. And so you wonder, I mean, you may not have any of your third line back. You know, Yanni Gord's in Seattle. Goodrow has signed in, in New York. Blake Coleman is still a free agent at this point. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any question they're not going to have the third right. line back. Uh, you know, so it, some of these young guys are going to be called up. And, and who knows if Julian's going to make another move. I mean, it, it doesn't. we presume that he's got to get rid of at least one more contract to be cap, right. cap compliant, to sign enough players. I mean, they're under the cap now, but they've got 16 players under contract. Correct. You don't have a backup goalie. Ross Colton still needs to be resigned as a restricted free agent. I think Cal Foote's the same way. I mean, there's you know guys like that. So they've got to make, but it doesn't mean he doesn't move more players than that and bring somebody else in too. I mean, we just don't know what what they're thinking at this point. So it will be interesting. I think for the Lightning, one of the positives coming back too is you're going to have Nikita Kucherov to start the year. You know, we talk about getting off mm-hmm. to a good start, having I think Kuch back, and yes. his body should be relatively fresh. I mean, look, I know the the, the playoffs that is a grind, and look, he. Took some punishment. We know that with Scott Mayfield and, and the rib. But well, and he wasn't uh, the same after that. I mean, he played well in the he, final, he but wasn't. he wasn't the same as he was the first three rounds of the playoffs. I think that's going to be a big, big deal. I know a lot of people have asked about a backup goaltender, and I do think that is interesting from the standpoint that you do not want to play Vassy probably sixty-five games. Although if there is a guy who can do it, it would be him. But I think that will be an interesting situation mm-hmm. when it comes to who do they go out and get with the backup goaltender. How about Detroit? Going out and getting uh, Alex Nedeljkovic. That, that was is a something. shocker. Well, you know, for an organization that has tried to find a goaltender mm-hmm. for quite some time, to trade Nedeljkovic for what they gave up. Uh, what, a third rounder? Yeah. And then Steve Eisman goes out and signs him to, a, what, a two-year deal. With six million a year? Making, yeah. I mean, that is – there has to be something else going on there with Nedeljkovic that Carolina was willing to to part ways with him after the playoff he had. Steve, 
That makes no sense. And there were some people that said, well, if he went to arbitration because he was he was eligible for that, that he was going to make $5 million. There was a possibility that that was going to happen. Well, you know what? $5 million today for a decent goaltender is market is market price. You almost have to wonder if there's not, you know, if getting pulled in the playoffs ticked him off to a point where it caused a problem. It, it, it could have. I mean, I, I know nothing. It, it could have. It's, you know, but, but, but like, you, you but, sit there going, I mean, and they only got a third rounder for him. I mean, the granted, thing about it is, as a professional organization, if there are issues pertaining to something like that in the playoffs, if you think Nadelkovich is your goaltender of the future, you sit down and you hash that out. I can't believe they let him go. If there's, uh, There has to be something else we're not seeing there. Because what he did in the playoffs is warranted at least another look for the upcoming year. Maybe. If you want to make, make the case, Greg, look, I, I just look. There's a reason why he never was brought up earlier. I don't think he's a long-term answer. I can't commit to him beyond a year. You know what? Okay. But I think it's worth bringing him back to see what he can do if that's for real. Well, unless you've unless you're gonna you know go out and get a free agent goaltender or maybe or you, you resign Peter Morazic. You know, well, Morazic, or you know, are you gonna go get a Ben Bishop or somebody like that? I mean, you know, well, it's a you free know what, agent. you know what, Steve, for an organization, and, and you know how highly I, I spoke of Carolina. Mm-hmm. If you feel like that's a, a Stanley Cup contending team currently right now, they don't have a goaltender under contract. If that's your play, is to go out and make a big splash, you better do it because right now. You are preventing yourself from being in that conversation of one of the better teams in the National Hockey League. They're a good team. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have goaltending, as we know, you're not nearly as good as you think. I am flabbergasted that they let him go for what they what they got. And that tells me that either they weren't high as high on him as maybe we were when we saw him play or there were bigger issues behind the scenes. And it could have been Nadelkovich, too. Maybe he said, look, I don't like the way you handled me, Steve, to your point. In the postseason, I felt like I should have been the guy the whole way through. You pulled me, and you put me back in. I want to be that guy. And if Steve Eisman is willing to take a a shot or a flyer on you, then you know I think that's uh, something worth uh, keeping an eye on. So uh, flabbergasted, but we'll see how it plays out. Shea Weber looks like he is done. Mark Bergevin came out and uh, talked about his conditions with his his injuries. Yeah, he's out and for the season but may not play again, I he know. said. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, that yeah. is a big blow. And the Carey Price, can we start the hashtag um, expansion <laughs> draft circumvention? <laughs> we may. We may have to. We may have to. But we'll talk about that. We also have a question today on our show Twitter page uh, with the draft starting tonight. We thought we had some fun with it. Who was the best draft pick? in lightning history because I think it's easy to go to the first round picks and say yes whether it was Vinny whether it was Hetty whether it was Stammer could even be Andre Vasilevsky say Vasilevsky's a first rounder but Steve take a look at some of those second and third well, round picks how about right? how about Marty St. Louis undrafted yeah well I mean he started in Calgary, but I, I'm saying yeah. But he was like undrafted. For, he was not. Yeah, he, he was, yeah. I mean, no, no. He was he was right, undrafted. I'm talking about right. guys that were just draft picks. I mean, you've got Kucherov, who wasn't a first round pick. Palat with the value you got for him. Yep. Late. Uh, you've had some guys over the last few years. Braden points a third rounder. Right. So while I think initially we want to say the first round picks, and then you go from there and you you choose which one. 
I think you can make a strong case. Kucherov and Point knocking on that door. Are they the best draft picks in Lightning history? It's a lot of fun. We'll talk about it with Nick Alberga when we return. We'll ask him if he's been leaking any material uh, recently because that was crazy when we saw in the expansion draft. We'll have some fun with Nick, get his thoughts on what's happening here uh, in the free agency market, and we'll talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. He is Steve Ersnick. I am Greg Linelli. It's Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Lightning fans, the Bolts are back-to-back champs. Score your official 2021 Stanley Cup champions gear by visiting one of our Tampa Bay sports locations at Amelie Arena, International Plaza, or online at tampabaysports.com. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, glad you're with us here on a Friday. Greg Linnelli with you, talking all things Lightning and the NHL. Of course, the draft starts tonight. Lightning don't have a first or second round pick. We'll have some interviews for you tomorrow after the draft, recapping everything. We'll probably talk to Al Murray in particular, and that'll be a lot of fun. And, of course, the schedule was released. Free agency trades starting to hit the wire and to talk about it uh, a little bit more. Our good friend, Nick Alberga, he is the Maple Leafs radio host, also does some filling work at uh, Hockey Central. Great guy all the way around. And he's getting back to the gym because in Canada, they're starting to lift some restrictions. Right, Nick? Good to be with you, buddy. Is that is that right? Yeah. yeah, great to be with you. Can you believe the gyms were closed here in Toronto for nine months? So suffice to say, I go back and I'm not as strong <laughs> as I once was. We'll say that. Well, were you able to do some push-ups, though? That's the key. Push-ups yeah. is man's strength. Yeah, but pretty much. So I'm going hard again. And, uh, you know, I've been five of the last six days. My entire body nice. is just hurting. But it's a good hurt, right? It has to be. You know, well, that's yeah. one of the things they talk about with coronavirus, Nick, is you got to stay in shape. That if you're in relatively good health, that's one of the things that can help you fight off the coronavirus. And uh, I think people want to get back to the gym or go out for a walk, go out for a run and and uh, do what they can do to prevent uh, that awful virus, you know? Yeah, most most importantly, I mean, we're on the mend. Uh, it was it was so great to sort of have, like, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs back, at least in the States with, with the crowd. Like, you, you guys obviously were there for it. Uh, just a different, different animal when you got a crowd in the building. And, you know, I wanted Tampa to sweep because I'm not the biggest Montreal Canadiens fan, and I was sort of <laughs> like, ah, why are they here kind of thing. Yeah. But, for Tampa to win it on home ice, I thought was incredible. I just like the celebrations a bit more with the home crowd, right? For sure. Uh, you know, there was a lot of, I I think more so with the fans than anything else, there was uh, a lot of talk down here. The the mayor uh, came out and had talked about, <laughs> yes. you know, winning, winning the championship, <laughs> the Stanley Cup on home ice, and everybody was upset when the Lightning lost. Uh, a game in Montreal and brought it back, and, and that was fun. But it, I, I think anytime you get a chance to celebrate, especially with what happened uh, the previous year with no fans being able to celebrate, I think that was pretty appropriate uh, with this Lightning team. And, and really, you know, Nick, I think when you look at the Lightning the last couple of years and this run that they've been on since really 2014, 2015, this might be the best run we've seen from an organization top to bottom. And I'm including Chicago and Pittsburgh who have won more Stanley Cups because it feels like the Lightning have been knocking on the door and knocking it down more so than even those teams. Yeah, I agree. And Mayor Castor, you're right, called her shot, and uh, they nailed it in Game 5 there. I, I think certainly when you know I look back at this season, and I mentioned it 
probably after they steamrolled Carolina. I'm like, this Tampa team is better than the one that won last year, and I just don't know who's going to derail them. Now, ultimately, the Islanders took them to seven games, and that would end up being the closest to that. I thought Florida gave them a great run in the first round, but certainly I think, um, you know, Montreal was no match for what Tampa put forth. Just to look back, the depth was uncanny. Uh, You even mentioned Ross Colton off the air, scores the big-time goal to pretty much win that series. Vasilevsky was tremendous. Hedman was tremendous. Goes without saying, you bring Kucherov back for the Stanley Cup playoffs, and suddenly the power play is is really, really good again. It's funny how it works out, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, when I look back at this team maybe in like 10 years, I will say probably, very likely, one of the best teams I've probably seen in my life, uh, honestly. And I'm 32 now, or soon to be 32, like, it just seemed like they had so much, right? Like the depth to have had been on the back end. Vasilevsky, for my money, the best goaltender on this planet and already a Hall of Famer at, what, 26? Like it it really, really is surreal what this roster has. And I give them a fighting chance again next year. I mean, they're really, really well built, obviously. You know, they are. They had some fortunate things go their way with Cooch coming back at the right time, although I think that controversy was a bit overblown. <laughs> I think that, that was people really trying to to nitpick. Nick, when you take a look at this Lightning team, we're going to get into the Lightning possibly not having their third line at all this <laughs> year. But you mentioned guys like Vassy Hedman, who's going to have surgery and, and should be ready to go 100% once training camp starts. You've got Cooch, you've got Point, you've got Sergachev. And I think you also have... Julian Brisewell, Al Murray, who does the scouting, that the Lightning have a pretty well-oiled machine when it comes to drafting and developing players, and that if they don't have a certain player, Julian Brisewell has a pretty good eye to identify who he wants to come in and mesh with this team. I think you're right. I think this Lightning team does have an opportunity for a three-peat. It probably won't happen. Who knows? Because the odds are, are stacked against them. But if there's one team, Nick, that can do it in this cap era, I think it is the Lightning. I totally agree. And, uh, you know, I'm still puzzled and befuddled how, you know, a team goes back to back and still Julian Brisebois cannot win GM of the year, right? Like, <laughs> I don't get that for the life of me. I don't understand the voting for the life of me. Ultimately, the one team who wins the Stanley Cup, I would say, has the best GM in the league. But just the way they've comprised this roster. And I, I totally agree with you in the Kucherov conversation. Like, I get it's a conversation. But to me, and I was saying this all Stanley Cup playoffs long on the Sportsnet Radio Network, that there wasn't enough conversation, at least in this country, about the drafting and development of this organization. And now, you know, more than half this roster came from the American Hockey League and really uh, bided their time down there. John Cooper came with them and suddenly turned into, a, you know, unbelievable players at the NHL level. Like, you can't overlook the process. And I know we like to use that in the NBA with Philadelphia quite a bit. But just some of these guys who came from the NHL and just right away found their roles and played it to a T uh, in the NHL, I thought was really, really impressive because that year after year, it seems like they've drafted guys like second, third, fourth, and fifth round. They get to the NHL and they just start to bloom. So I think we got to push that narrative a bit more here. Nick Alberga joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. You mentioned Vassy and what he was able to do during this postseason. Has he just cemented himself as not only the best goaltender in the game today, Nick, but really uh, the best goaltender we've seen here in the last few years. Unequivocally, like he's in that Victor Hedman conversation where he's so damn good that he's not allowed to win the award every year. I am mystified that Andre Vasilevsky did not win the Vesna Trophy. And don't get me wrong, 
I love Marc-Andre Fleury, but you know, I watch pretty much every Lightning game. Um, I, I think what's happened here with Vasilevsky, it happens with Edmund, um, is people look past them because that team is so good. But I think you look at what Vasi brought forth this season. Um, my goodness, I, I love watching him play. He's just a different breed of goalie. I love his size and how flexible he is for his size. And yes, uh, unequivocally would be my answer. Andre Vasilevsky, and I tweeted this out when they won the cup this year. He's already a first ballot Hall of Famer, and this dude is 26. It's it's unbelievable to me, and quite honestly, I honestly think he has the ability to go down as one of the best goaltenders ever. Maybe that's a reach right now because he's just 26, but you start to look at that resume and still that he probably hasn't even reached his potential yet. It really is scary. For sure. Backup goaltender is something they're going to have to address, and we'll see yes. how that plays out. I, I wanted to get your, your thoughts on the third line most likely not being back. And, Nick, I don't know where you came down on Tampa Bay and their protected list. I was a 7-3-1 guy. I was mm-hmm. willing to let Ryan McDonough, if that was the guy chosen, to let go because my thinking was protect all, protect all your high-end forwards as you can, protect as many of them as you can. And then knowing that you're going to have to trade probably a couple, you could probably make some hockey trades to get a defenseman back although not at the level of Ryan McDonough, somebody who is still relatively young, in addition to still having Sergachev, Chernak, and Hedman. They didn't go that route. They protected Hedman. They lose Gord, which that was going to happen. You were going to lose a good Mm -hmm. player. Did you like their strategy of protecting the guys they did? And how big of a loss is it to lose that third line completely, assuming Blake Holman signs elsewhere? Well, for starters, I mean, we knew there were going to be casualties eventually, whether it be last offseason or this season or in the future. Uh, I think when I look back at those Stanley Cup playoffs, there's always sort of those unheralded guys. And Ryan McDonough was tremendous. Um, You know this, obviously, watching this team really, really closely. Uh, I really loved what John Cooper said following the Stanley Cup final that uh, he pretty much indicated that Ryan McDonough was in consummate territory. And I totally agree. Just some of the plays he made defensively, offensively for that he's another guy who who goes under the radar because of who's in front of him even in a guy like Victor Hedman and I I just think from a PR standpoint it would have been a tough decision to make I understand where you're coming from uh, but I think they've pretty much prepared themselves for this day and for these couple of days where they're likely to lose obviously the third line as you mentioned Yanni Gord now with the Seattle Kraken I think it's unlikely Blake Coleman clearly is coming back and their depth is going to be tested having said that Earlier in the conversation, we just spoke uh, uh, a lot about, you know, how, how good they are in maturing prospects. So it's pretty much time for the next wave. Obviously, Ross Colton's going to be a full-timer next year. Matthew Joseph, I, I was so impressive, uh, impressed, I should say. Alex Kalorn goes down in the Stanley Cup final. Matthew Joseph enters, and that line was simply tremendous. So I think what we'll see over the next couple of days is obviously they're, they're trying to continue to shed some cap here. Tyler Johnson's name's coming up again, but... Um, I think ultimately when, and, and you know, I have the same conversation all the time here working, covering the Toronto Maple Leafs. When you're paying, you know, the Kucherovs, the Stamkoses, the points uh, soon to be, um, you know, the Vasilevskis, the Hedmans, all this money, uh, you're going to have to rely on guys uh, on, on small contracts and ELCs. And Tampa obviously has found that out. We'll continue to find that out. And I think they're going to be okay. Like, I know where you're coming from with, with the McDonough conversation, but I think, 
Uh, if you were to pull me, I'd rather have more depth in the back end than up front. Yep, and that's exactly what Julian Brisewell decided. And there was probably a good indication that uh, Seattle was probably going to take a guy like that. You could easily see Ryan McDonough being the captain for Seattle mm -hmm. had he been chosen. And I actually made the case, Nick, I don't know where you come down on it. It might not be this year, but I actually think Yanni Gord has captain material for Seattle as well. Oh, Yanni Gord's a stud, right? And I, I, I like the fact that, you know, Tampa is, continues to play in the Stanley Cup final and finally people start to see their players and how damn good they are, like, across that roster. I, I just so impressed by the coaching and just the way they play their system to a T. And, yeah, like, that's the conversation in hockey circles right now. Yanni Gord, can he play an elevated role? The answer is yes, he can. Um, I know people have tried to made that proclamation that he's going to be on the third line. I know he's not going to start the season because he's hurt and had surgery. But he's playing in the top six. They're selecting him to, to be a top six player. Can he be a 1C? Who knows? For sure, I think he can be a 2C. But Seattle has to be ecstatic uh, with that pickup. Yanni Gord's going to be huge for them. Nick Alberga joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Nick, who else do you think gets traded from this Lightning team? We know they have to shed salary. We know the guys mentioned mainly are Palat, Johnson, and Kalorn. Do you think it's one of those three? Julian Brisois says it's a decent trade market out there. They can actually make a hockey trade, he feels like, this year. Who do you think gets dealt, and who do you think brings the most back in return? Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Like, I, I you know, honestly, we know that Tampa is not dealing from a position of strength. Uh, for starters, there's a lot of ticked-off people, uh, namely in the hockey world, and sort of that's my philosophy when it came to, to voting, if you know what I'm saying, on some of the, some of the awards. And number two, I just think everybody in this league and in this world knows Tampa's trying to shed caps. So ultimately, I just don't know what type of deals uh, they're going to be able to make. And certainly, I think you look at a guy like Tyler Johnson, for starters, I thought he was tremendous in this cup run. Like, it brought me back to, you know, Tyler Johnson from the triplets line a couple years back, just the way he was moving, the way he was producing. And that that's big in terms of, you know, trade perspective for this Tampa team. But Again, having said that, this guy's been on waivers. They tried to dump him last offseason. It didn't work. So my expectation is that they'll ultimately get something done for Tyler Johnson. I just don't know if the return is going to be something people expect. And I, I think, honestly, they have to be open to anything. Like I think a guy like Alex Kalorn has a lot of value, certainly, on the market. Look at his contract, what he did here in the Stanley Cup playoffs before he got hurt. And I would say anybody um, outside of, of the big guys who we know, and obviously Stamkos is not waving. I think has to be open to a conversation to be moved because obviously they have to shed some cap. And again, it's a weird situation because everybody, everybody knows they have to do so as well. Well, let's get into that because Joe Smith in his article today at the athletic had big name trade possibility. Steven Stamkos is <clears throat> right at the forefront and he mentions how that uh, Pierre Lebrun reported that uh, Tampa Bay approached Stamkos about his full no move clause last off season. And the answer was no. I get where everybody's coming from because it sounds good and it certainly frees up cap space. But boy, Nick, the optics of that wouldn't look great. That's your captain. He was vital in that locker room. And also on the power play, even though his five-on-five -five numbers might not be as great, as long as you have a man advantage, Steven Stamkos is still very dangerous. I, I understand where people are coming from. I just don't know if that's a real possibility. Oh, no, I agree. And it's it's comparable, uh, in my you know my opinion, to, to John Tavares in Toronto. Like, people just look past these guys and, and don't give them sort of the respect they deserve for how truly good they are. And I just, 
I love Steven Stamkos. I love his leadership qualities. I love the way he plays the game. Um, I love the fact that he finally wins the Stanley Cup and gets to play those games. I know last year was a bit of a write-off, still wins the Cup, scores that pivotal goal for this team. But I think you're so right from a PR standpoint, first and foremost. That's just a difficult decision to even have, to even call him and be like, hey, would you be open to it? He obviously knows hockey. He understands the game. Having said that, he put his time and effort into your organization and started from the bottom, so to speak, and worked his way up. And to have that decision, I think, is going to be really, really tough. Ultimately, there, I think there will come a day where they probably part, but I just don't foresee it uh, anytime soon. Number one, he loves Tampa. Number two, why would you want to leave that team right now with everybody around you, right? I completely agree, and it's it's one that uh, I just I, I don't see happening. I, I know it makes sense for a lot of people, but I, I just I, – I, let's put it this way. This year, for sure. I just don't see it happening. Nick Alberga joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. The draft starts tonight. I'm not going to ask you about the draft specifically, but pertaining to the Lightning, we asked the question, who was the best Lightning draft pick in their history? Perhaps I should have asked the question beyond the first round, who has been the best draft pick? And I'm wondering, more value for you, Braden Point or Nikita Kucherov? Ooh, uh, like I... I love both players, um, but I think I have to go Kucherov. Um, it, that's a tough question. Like, I, I love that question, honestly. Because <laughs> uh, Braden Point, like... It's incredible. It's, Third-round pick. Come on. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I still think he's underrated. And again, it's, you know, it's unfair to ask somebody like me because I watch out-of-market hockey. There's a lot of people in Canada who don't watch out-of-market hockey. And I think, you know, I, I hope they go to the Olympics because people will find out how really good Braden Point is, is at hockey. But... Yeah. You look at Kucherov, like that'll be my answer because I have to answer this question in my opinion. Um, I just think Kucherov is in select company and often overlooked as being maybe a top five player in this game. Um, it wasn't talked about enough. Like he came off a pretty serious injury and just sort of picked up where he left off last year in that cup run. And for as good as, as Braden Point was, I think Kucherov is sort of that next echelon of maybe the greats in the game right now. Not even maybe, is one of the greats in the game. And I would say top five. I would say Point's top 15. They're really close. It's a tough question. <laughs> so we know Connor McDavid had a tremendous year this year, although some would say look at the division and the teams he played against, and that might have inflated his numbers. But Nick, can you make the case that Nikita Kucherov is the best offensive player in today's game? Two years ago, the guy had 128 points. I can't. <laughs> it's, still, <laughs> it's still Connor McDavid by a long shot. Is it by a long shot or is it it has that has that gap narrowed? Yeah, I always have this conversation at playoff time where Nathan McKinnon's playing playoff hockey and Connor McDavid's not, and people are like <laughs> you know, McKinnon's the best player on the planet. No. It, like Connor McDavid and finally again we'll get to see because they're they're including all thirty two teams in the schedule. I think yeah. it's McDavid and everybody else. Having said that, um, I think Kucherov is really close to, to Nathan McKinnon and doesn't get enough credit. I think he's really close to Leon Dreisaitl, doesn't get enough credit. It's all about national perspective. It's because of the market he plays in. So to answer your question, I, I don't think he's close to Connor McDavid, but I don't think anybody is. Do you think Cooch, if he heard you say that, would say that's some number one BS? Uh, yes, unequivocally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Alberga from the Maple Leafs Radio Network joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. 
All right, I want to ask about a few other topics around the league. Am I missing something with Alex Nedeljkovic? Because the guy was lights out in the playoffs. I know he doesn't have a long track record, but for an organization that needs a number one goaltender, to me it was worth bringing him back for a couple of years. Nick, is there something else behind the scenes that's going on that we're not privy to? Because that didn't make sense, that trade to Detroit. No, this is the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, pretty much to a T. Uh, and you know, I'll say respective because they have a point where they'll go to with players, and if if they're not met, then they just move on. Like it's it's pretty silly considering where they're at. And I think you're so right in bringing up that point that this team has been looking for a number one goalie. They find a number one goalie, and they're like, you know what? No. But you know, having said that. Let's not forget and put things into context that he's got 38 appearances to his name in the NHL. Um, you know, he's very Jordan Binnington-like. And it's a calculated risk and gamble, if you want to call it that, by Detroit, that it's the Nadelkovich we saw post Mrazic injury this season coming up from the AHL than the one previous to that. Um, and we'll truly find out, uh, was it Nadelkovich or was it the system in Carolina? Because he's going to a really, really bad Detroit Red Wings squad and there's going to be some long nights. And I guess ultimately we'll find out how truly good Alex Nadelkovich is. But certainly for that price, I thought it was a no-brainer for Detroit. Shea Weber done. And how big of a blow is that going to be to Montreal? What do they do to try and overcome the loss of their leader? Yeah, I thought it was massive. Uh, I think you'd probably concur. Shea Weber was an absolute monster there in the Stanley Cup final. I know it was a short series, but just how physical he played. I thought considering the injuries he had, like he pretty much couldn't shoot the puck. And when you take that shot out of the arsenal of Shea Weber, you would think he's pretty ordinary. But I think he compensated in other departments in the game, just how physical he played defensively, how sound he was. He was an absolute rock back there. And I, he's not a guy you can replace. Like, let's not forget He's the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. That, that's, that's big-time regards. That's probably top three jobs in the league in terms of captaincy, for my opinion. Uh, having you know been born in that market, knowing there's two different media types, the French and the English, like that's a tough, tough job. Um, and, and just from that point of view, like a lot of this is going to fall ultimately on Brendan Gallagher, who I think will likely be the next captain of the Montreal Canadiens, and it makes a lot of sense. But in terms of replacing him, like I think it would be smart – for Montreal to sort of allocate those dollars in a variety of different, you know, scenarios. I think it's quite clear they probably need a center. Philippe Deneau is likely to leave here in the offseason. They're still relatively young up the middle. Nick Suzuki was tremendous here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Jesperi Kakaniemi still struggling to find consistency at the NHL level. So I wouldn't be shocked if Montreal is pretty much involved in every marquee name here in the offseason, namely Seth Jones. Uh, Dougie Hamilton in free agency, and Jack Eichel uh, when it comes to centers. Uh, but I, I think they'll land somebody. And another guy I'll throw out there is a guy you know pretty well in Tampa, and David Savard. Um, so they'll find yeah. a replacement, but I would I would try to reallocate that money in a, in a couple different roles on that roster, if that makes sense. What did you make of what Seattle did with their picks? And do you feel like more is to come? Because you look at their roster, I, I think it's a bunch of guys that work hard. I don't know if there's any game breakers. They passed up on some opportunities, Nick, to take a couple of those guys. What did you make of their approach under Ron Francis? Well, firstly, I'm a gambler. How do you see Carey Price there and not make the decision, uh, considering the Stanley Cup playoffs he just had? But that, I guess that's a story for another day. I think when I'm looking to assess the Seattle roster, I think 
long story short, ask me in like two, three years. Um, because yeah. again, from one thing I learned from Vegas is like, be careful making an assessment right away. And it's understandable. I think you look at this initial roster, there's a lot of work ahead. Uh, I'm quite honestly, maybe a bit stunned. They didn't make any protection deals. Like I think at that point, and I think we've learned here from Vegas is the way they stockpiled a couple guys and Alex Tuck and guys like that, uh, through protection deals and draft picks that they sort of utilize that as, as something they can move forth in trades later on for guys like Mark Stone and company. And it looks like Seattle's not going to have that ability to do that. Um, and who knows behind the scenes if they had the ability to make trades like that. But I would have taken pretty much anything to protect some guys, knowing that I wasn't going to take the roster I was pretty much set with. Another thing to keep in mind is analytics. They're analytics heavy. So while you and you and I may look at a player and say, hey, why did they take that guy? There's a reason why they probably took most of those guys. It's really, really calculated. So I will yeah. give that team, that organization, the benefit of the doubt. Um, I, I agree with you, I think, on paper. Um, and again, be careful because we said this about Vegas. It doesn't look like the best roster. But the one thing I did notice is how heavy and big they are on the back end. Um, and just they're going to play with some pace and some jam. I think at the very least, they're going to be a tough team to play against. But we'll see what they do over the next couple of weeks. I think they're sniffing around on some names, including Dougie Hamilton. Of course, the familiarity with Ron Francis. Yeah, for sure. Last question for Nick Alberga. What do you make, Nick, of the Olympics? Do you think it happens with NHL players playing? Well, I hope it happens because I just uh, put forth a uh, futures bet two weeks ago that they would go to the Olympics, <laughs> so I want to win some money. Um, I, I think ultimately is it has to happen. I just don't think it's it's a it's positive for any of the parties for them to not go to back-to-back -back Olympics. I know there's a lot of optics behind the scenes. I know insurance is a big-time thing, and I get it. But I just think for the sake of the game, I, I just don't want to rob – the young fans, and I know I'm Canadian, but the potential to see Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby and Braden Point and Nathan McKinnon and, and Carey Price all on the same ice, I just think they have to do something to try to make it work. And it sounds like there's momentum towards a deal, which is exceptional news. So I'm going to say, yes, it does happen, Greg. That insurance thing is pretty interesting, isn't it, with the players? Mm. That is a lot of risk on their end. Especially right now, right, with COVID and yeah. everything. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see how that plays out. Well, Nick, this was a lot of fun, buddy. We always appreciate your time. Tell us what you have going on during the summertime because you're always active on Twitter. We love <laughs> reading uh, the tweets. But what else What else you got? Well, I think I was just going to do a course with you maybe in August how to, uh, you know, your, your gift game I think needs some work because there's like two gifts you go to on Twitter <laughs> all the time. So we're going to work on, on, on uh, evolving. They are powerful God. though, aren't they? Those are pretty they powerful are. gifts though. <laughs> They are. So we'll work on that. But aside from that, obviously, I'll just be plugged in here the, uh, to the offseason, getting set for next year, doing a bunch of work for Sportsnet and uh, maybe some cameo appearances. You never know with SiriusXM, NHL Network Radio and, and back nice. playing softball and hockey this summer. So uh, life's Ooh. getting back to normal or, or what is normal, at least at this point in time. So Yeah, I was going to ask you, do, do you think we see uh, sold-out buildings in Canada with all the, the teams there, you think, to start the year? Or do you think there's, that's still 50-50? Um, I would say it's greater than 50-50. The Toronto Blue Jays are coming back in about a week. And from my understanding, they're going to allow 15,000 uh, in the stadium to begin. And that's, uh, you know, I believe uh, July 30th. So at okay. this point, uh, the numbers are really, really good, by the way. The vaccination numbers in this country are incredible. I think uh, we're one of the most vaccinations uh, in the world, actually, right now, if you can believe it, for second doses. So 
we're trending in an upwards direction. Uh, we'll see what the border situation, but I would say it's really, really likely that we, when, when the NHL is back in, in mid-October, that there are full crowds in Canada, which is great to see. I love the bubble. Don't get me wrong. And it was great to see hockey, but it was just a weird year covering hockey in this oh, country, yeah. especially here in Toronto with just no crowd. It, it sucked the life out of me. I don't know if it did for you. For sure. Nobody likes the bubble, Nick. Nobody likes no, the bubble. We no. did what we had to do, but nobody Well, Tampa did, sure. but... <laughs> yeah, when you win it, it's a little bit better, but nobody yes. likes the bubble. All right, brother, we appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the uh, the off season a bit, and we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. I keep forgetting the NHL draft is tonight. It's weird. It's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. A bunch of guys we've never heard of we're going we're gonna to talk about. <laughs> yes. And, and that's how it goes. All right, that is Nick Alberga from uh, the Maple Leafs Radio Network. We'll come back. We'll take more of your questions as we wrap things up here on a Friday. It's Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Hey, it's Seth Kusher from The Block Party, and our season has come to an end. The only way we know how recently with the Stanley Cup Championship, and I had on the GM that helped put it all together, JBB Julian Breezlaw. We talk about what boat he was on during the parade. Julian breaks down the Dennis Savard trade, and I find out if he's a young gravy fan. That's The Block Party with Seth Kushner, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, thanks again to Nick Alberga. We always appreciate his analysis. I uh, forgot to mention this. You know, we, we were talking about this a couple of days ago, and guys who could replace the, the Gords, the Goodrows, potentially the Colemans, and anybody else the Lightning do lose in trades. And a, a guy I know I off kind of like offhand mentioned to Dave was Jamel Smith. Jamel Smith just re-signed with the Lightning, two-year contract. That's a two-way deal, mm-hmm. two-year, two-way contract. And every time Jamel Smith has played for the Lightning, he is impressed. Now, you can make the argument that Smith is a product of just being in an organization that has really good players and he gets caught up in a numbers game. Or you can look at his career and say, you know, maybe he's more of a tweener where he's a guy that, can fill in here and there at the NHL level and be really good at the AHL level. I don't know where Smith ranks in terms of on the Lightning's depth chart. They obviously like him enough to re-sign him. The Mitchell Stevens debate was interesting because a lot of people keep saying, well, Mitchell Stevens is a guy that, don't forget about him, Greg, don't forget about him. And I've said, I think Jamel Smith has outperformed. Mitchell Stevens to this point. Does that mean Jamel Smith has an opportunity to surpass a couple of these guys in the organization and land a spot on this team? I don't know as a third line guy, but if you wanted to shake things up on your fourth line, Jamel Smith is somebody I think you would give an opportunity to see what he can do. And Steve, I don't think I'm I'm out of line saying every time he's played, he's impressed. He absolutely has. I mean, we've every time he's come in, we've talked about him. Uh, but you brought up Mitchell Stevens too, and I'm I'm curious on him. You know, they kept Mitchell Stevens presumably over Carter Verhage last offseason. Now, Verhage had arbitration rights. Mitchell Stevens didn't when they signed him, so there was some cost certainty with Mitchell Stevens compared to Verhage. And at the time, Kucherov wasn't on long term injury relief yet. You were trying to shed a lot of cap. Yeah, but. That meant they thought pretty highly of Mitchell Stevens. He played, what, four games, then got hurt. Correct. And you know, when he came back, he got in a game or two, but really never made it back in. You don't know how, how healthy he was. I mean, healthy enough to play, but was he 
I'll be really curious how he looks coming into camp. I think that's one of the storylines coming into camp next year. Yeah, um, and I think Mitchell Stevens, for his game to take mm-hmm. that next step, you need to see a little bit more offense. Yep. We understand the faceoffs. I, I get it. You want to be somebody who can back check and be responsible defensively, and that's all very important, particularly on the PK when you're losing a couple of really strong players from that third line. But in today's game, Steve, you need your fourth line, you need your third line, as we have seen, to be able to contribute offensively. And I think for Mitchell Stevens, that is going to be the biggest drawback or his bigger assets is if he can start filling that a little bit, I think it gives him a leg up to be a guy that can be on that third or fourth line. Well, and we've seen some spurts of that in the past. Um, you know, when he first came up, he, he showed some of that offensive skill. Um, yeah. I think he got stuck a little bit in the defensive end, and I don't think the fourth line was as productive back then. And, and so they didn't have a lot of offensive opportunities. But, you know, I'll be really curious how with a full offseason and, you know, a- after rehabbing from that injury for months during this season, how he comes back next season. Yeah. And I think it'll be uh... – very interested to see how that competition plays out. By the way, you're starting to see a few more articles being written about the Lightning bringing back Cedric Paquette. And I have no idea what Cedric Paquette would command. But certainly on that fourth line, if you wanted to have a guy like Paquette centering it, and you still have Pat Maroon, and you could still have a guy like Cut Ross Colton or Matthew Joseph or somebody else, I think if Paquette was willing to come back at a pretty affordable contract, I would take a look at that. I, I don't think you want to make it a habit of, of paying your fourth-line guys each over a million bucks if if you can help it because of the salary cap issues. But, Steve, that's another guy that if the Lightning are able to go out and get, if you bring in Cedric Paquette, he's somebody you're going to give that opportunity to play more so than Jamel Smith or even a Mitchell Stevens, too. Well, and he was, what, 1.65 the last two years in Carolina? Yeah. Uh, after making a million a year before that, you know, you talk about the third line and that grit and that sandpaper it brings. Paquette would bring a lot more of that back he than a Mitchell Stevens, than a Jamel Smith. Um, you know, that would give you a little more of that. I mean, you know, we've seen what he can do here. Um, I, I, you know, look, if, if, if the number works for Cedric Paquette, would you want him back here? Absolutely. And I think particularly with some of the players you're losing off this team, you need guys like that uh, to, to fill some of your third and fourth line roles. It'll be interesting to see if Luke Shen is somebody they resign as well. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if he's interested in coming back. Uh, I don't know if he wants a bigger role, but he has certainly done very well for himself. I'm guessing the there's interest on both sides. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the thing is, is Luke Shen, uh, you've you protected your top four defensemen. So assuming you don't make a trade, Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, Chernak, are all back. Ruda's back. You know they want to get Cal Foot more time, and, and possibly Ben Thomas as well. So is Luke Shen willing to come back to be that seventh or eighth defenseman that gets some time but not, or does he want to look for an opportunity where he's playing every game? Yeah, and I I don't know. Like you know they resigned Clayson. You mm-hmm. know Borgman's yep. still in their organization. Who knows what they want to do with a guy like that? But Shen I think is somebody that the coaching staff is very comfortable with, and I think that goes a long way. Uh, let's get to this question before we sign off. Steve Al says, knowing what players still have to be moved, what player or players would be the least painful? My controversial pick would be Stamkos gives you the most cap space value for the move. Well, look, Al, you asked the question, uh, who would be the least painful? I think that would be very painful. I think that would be very painful for the fan base. 
Yes. Don't minimize what that would do to the locker room either. And again, as I said to Nick Alberga, the optics of that just would look atrocious. I'm, you know, this is off the top of my head, so I can't think of an opportunity. But when would a team that just won back-to-back Stanley Cups trade a captain? I, uh, yeah, <laughs> that would be unheard of. That's why I, don't I would, think it's I would happen. think so. I mean, yeah. Look, some of his game, particularly in, in five on five, and maybe some of the defensive uh, coverage, you know, that he does slip some in years. Sure, yeah. your power play would be diminished significantly. I mean, part of what makes Cooch so great on the power play is Stamkos is on the other side. Right, your face-offs. He's your best face-off guy by a mile on this team. Um, face-offs are still an issue for this team overall. But he's Stan- not as great five on five, but you know yeah. what? As long as you have a power play opportunity, he's a threat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We saw that, especially Steve, in the first two rounds of the playoffs. Oh, how dynamic yep. they were, and I think you have to take that into consideration. To answer your question, Al, uh, what player or players would be the least painful? Oof. I think they're all going to be painful. I think the one that would be hard to swallow, and I'm saying this because of the, the playoffs he had, and I think he's he's developed a little bit of a, a cult-like figure here in Tampa Bay, I think would be Alex Kalorn. I do. I, I think Kalorn has taken on a, a pretty big leadership role. He's been really good in the playoffs. I think the fact that he had surgery during the Stanley Cup final and was willing to come back, I think that adds to that. Mm-hmm. That reputation. Well, let, let's add one more part. You've lost Yanni Gord, Barkley yeah. Goodrow, Blake Coleman. Probably your top three penalty killers. Right. Who, uh, on the penalty kill, players that got regular penalty kill time are Sorelli and Kalorn. Right. I mean, Palat doesn't kill penalties anymore. Used to. Braden Point doesn't kill penalties anymore. Used to. You know, Patrick Maroon, or Pat doesn't. Uh, you're right. going to, you know, so I mean, if you lose Kalorn off this roster, now probably your top four out of your top five penalty killers are gone. For sure. You know, that would and, be a big blow. And and, and the penalty kill was blow. was was huge for the Lightning these last couple of years. Yep. And you know when you can send Coleman and Goodrow out first over the boards, it really helps because those those two have such great chemistry. But you know, I, I think Kalorn would hurt a lot, particularly because of who else you've lost in this season. I could see that's where a Cedric Paquette signing helps to mm-hmm. offset yes. somebody like that in the PK department. And also, too, whoever you trade, you're getting an NHL player back. And, and maybe that's a role that that player can fulfill as part of their duties replacing if it's a Pilot, Killorn, or Johnson, mm-hmm. or somebody else. But I, I think those three are the guys that we're going to be taking a look at. So we'll see what happens. We will have draft coverage for you over the weekend on Saturday. Keep it tuned to Lightning Power Play. We'll be tweeting out uh, when we'll be on the air. Also, too, on Monday, Dave Michigan is back, and we will recap the draft, and that'll be our last show before we uh, take a little break and get set for training camp. Steve, great job as always, buddy. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a great weekend. You we'll too, see buddy. you Saturday. <laughs> you got it. And uh, thanks to Nick Alberga as well. Thanks to you for listening. I am Greg Linelli. It's Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.